0: Well, hey, this is Joey Ferjanek, lead pastor of The Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Hey, what's up, everybody? (laughs) So glad! So glad you're with us. Welcome again. My name is Joey. I'm the lead pastor right here. Honored you're with us. We begin a brand new series today called Brainwash. And uh, it's going to be a powerful, powerful several weeks. Whole series is on mental health. Whole series. uh, Really what we're trying to do is wash the brain. We wash a lot of things, right? Hopefully, hopefully you do. All right, you get a shower, you wash your car, you do all kinds of different things, but rarely do we think about cleaning out, washing the brain. So we're not here to brainwash you, we're here to wash the brain. And how we do that is we go to the word of God. Romans 12 tells us that our heart is transformed when we renew the mind. And that's what we're going to do over the next several weeks. And one of the important parts of this series is to provide resources if you're struggling with anything. On our watch, we want to do everything in our power to resource you, to be available to you, to provide you freedom. And so all through this series, if you text 9400, you'll text TBC help. TBC help nine four And if you follow that link, there'll be a list of resources that can help you throughout this series. If you're dealing with depression, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, whatever it is, we've got stuff for that. And of course, all the groups and discipleship and conversations that go along with it. All right. So anyway, that, that's the goal text. TBC help. 9400, all right? So today, uh, I want to open up the series, and I want to preach a message. Here's what it's titled. Understanding Guilt and Overcoming Shame. Understanding Guilt, Overcoming Shame. A lot of the things we deal with have a lot to do with shame. Uh, unresolved, undeclared, shame. Shame. When I was in third grade, um, I, and I'm not a big candy guy now, okay? I'm not a big candy guy, big big carbs guy. And uh, <laughs> it's one of, the, one of the C's, one of the problem C's. And uh, uh, I, I, love, I love carbs, but when you're in third grade, candy's everything. And uh, I remember this vividly. Uh, there was several candy jars in my classroom. And I, I just, I wanted to make my move. Uh, to, to, to have more than the allotted candy they gave us. They didn't give us a lot. I understand that I was a psychopath maniac uh, in, in third grade, and I'm just a maniac now. Uh, and, and so I felt like the two pieces of candy weren't, weren't sufficient. And so I went one day, and I stole the candy from the candy jar. <laughs> I, I'm not a smooth criminal, okay? Okay. <laughs> The teacher knew, she knew, waited for me to confess because I, I was feeling guilt. I felt it deep in. And when, I fi- when it finally came to a head and we, we had our, our moment, uh, you know what she did? She didn't pull out the ruler and beat my hand. She didn't yell at me. With a lot of love, with a lot of grace, with a lot of mercy, she explained to me how this is sin It's not going to get me anywhere in life. Uh, And uh, let's move on from this. Uh, There's certainly going to be a consequence to this, but we'll move on past the consequence. I love you. You're a son. You're welcome back here tomorrow. On the contrary, I was in high school and it was my senior year. I had signed to play football at a school uh, in Missouri. I had scholarships. I was ready to go. Uh, But I was wrestling with God about my future. And I was wrestling with God. And I remember doing a two week fast my senior year when everybody else was partying and celebrating. I was in my room seeking God. And at the end of that fast, I knew clearly I was not supposed to go to school and play ball. I was supposed to stay home and intern at my church. I was supposed to pay to intern to be at my church. Come on, somebody. We don't make you pay to intern here. (laughs) You pay a different price. (laughs) I remember going to my coaches and specific teachers, communicating that I was foregoing this opportunity. And instead of offering me the love, the grace, the empowerment, they offered me shame. Shame on you for making this decision. Shame on your parents for allowing you. What are you gonna do without an education? What what are you gonna do? You're, You're missing this opportunity. And I remember feeling like, man, this is, imp- I'm, I'm, I'm 18. I'm, this is impressionable. Am I going to make it in this world? Did I make the right decisions? Now, of course, I had a word from God I was standing on. And thankfully, I had some other people in my life, some spiritual leaders, some pastors to help me navigate through it. And, but it stayed with me for almost two years during that internship where I would have moments of doubt. It was shame put on me. One experience I had was guilt, healthy guilt, conviction. The other experience I had was shame, condemnation. What I want you to understand today is that there is actually health in guilt. There's freedom when we follow that. There's darkness and evil in shame. And if we're going to be victorious in our mental health, we're gonna wash our brains, we gotta understand guilt and overcome shame. Um, Here is the dichotomy of the enemy versus the gospel. The enemy, you should be ashamed of yourself. Shame on you. The gospel is shame off you. Everybody has dealt with shame on some level to some extent, but shame on you turns to shame in you. But the cross and the gospel is good news. Jesus Christ wants shame off you and out of your life. And he doesn't want it passed on to other people you're raising up. Alan Wright says it like this. Shame is is a feeling of being inwardly flawed of not measuring up. A lot of times your struggle for mental health, some of, the, some of the, uh, the things that happen, some of the ways that it manifests itself is actually unaddressed shame in your life. Some of us are like, I'm clinically depressed. Well, you know what? There could be a possibility that you may not need that medication. You might need to get to the root and it's shame. Shame. I don't know what it is for you, but I'm telling you shame is the root of a lot of stuff. Here's a big question. Is shame defining you or controlling you? Because here's what happens. When shame is not dealt with, you are, when you are not free from shame, it becomes an identity. It, 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 we hide in it. We wrestle with it. We become something we were never meant to be because shame has unwrapped itself around us. There is an individual, um, uh, a popular author, and uh, you've probably heard of her. Her name is Brene Brown, and she studied shame significantly, spent years studying shame. And she does this TED Talk that's, I mean, been seen millions of times, but she describes shame as a gremlin, as the swampland of the soul. And basically she says, you kind of got to go into the, the marshy waters. Am I saying that right, marshy? I don't know, I'm not from down there. In the... <laughs> you got to go in and you got to muddy through it t- to deal with it. And there's a clip that I want you to watch. It's, it's, it's a little bit less than three minutes and it, it describes shame and how men and women deal with it differently. Uh, let's watch this.
1: Shame drives two big tapes, never good enough, And if you can talk it out of that one, who do you think you are? The thing to understand about shame is it's not guilt. Shame is a focus on self, guilt is a focus on behavior. Shame is I am bad, guilt is I did something bad. How many of you, if you did something that was hurtful to me, would be willing to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake? How many of you would be willing to say that? Guilt, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, shame. I'm sorry, I am a mistake. There is a huge difference between shame and guilt. And here's what you need to know. Shame is highly, highly correlated with addiction, depression, violence, aggression, bullying, suicide, eating disorders. And here's what you even need to know more. Guilt inversely correlated with those things. The ability to hold something we've done or failed to do up against who we wanna be is incredibly adaptive. It's uncomfortable, but it's adaptive. The other thing you need to know about shame is it's absolutely organized by gender. If shame washes over me and washes over Chris, it's gonna feel the same. Everyone sitting in here knows the warm wash of shame We're pretty sure that the only people who don't experience shame are people who have no capacity for connection or empathy, which means, yes, I have a little shame. No, I'm a sociopath. So I would opt for, yes, you have a little shame. (laughs) Shame feels the same for men and women, but it's organized by gender. For women, the best example I can give you is Anjali, the commercial. I can put the wash on the line, pack the lunches, hand out the kisses, and be work at five to nine. I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in the pan, and never let you forget you're a man. For women, shame is do it all, do it perfectly, and never let them see you sweat. I don't know how much perfume that commercial sold, but I guarantee you it moved a lot of antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds. shame for women is this web of unattainable conflicting competing expectations about who we're supposed to be and it's a straitjacket for men shame is not a bunch of competing conflicting expectations shame is one do not be perceived as what weak what's fascinating about that clip is she proves
0: the bible Basically, she's saying that a conviction or guilt, conviction from guilt equals freedom. It it, it kind of guards you when you follow it, when you lean into it. It guards you from other problems or acting out, whereas shame is condemnation and it takes you down a very dark path. Here is the difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation comes from the voice of the enemy. Conviction comes from the voice of the Holy Spirit. Conviction and addressing guilt are actually the remedy for shame. That's, it's the remedy. And so I want to go to John 16 for a moment. I want, I want to describe the Holy Spirit's job. John 16, seven through eight. But in fact, it is best for you, this is Jesus talking, that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, everybody say advocate. That's the Holy Spirit. He won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. All the disciples are like, God, don't go, don't go, don't go. And when he comes, he will convict the world. Listen to what the Holy Spirit does. Convicts the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment, and for believers of our great, eternal, victorious hope. In other words, believers who address their shame have a deep-rooted hope inside of them that come hell or high water, God's got my back. The world's falling apart. Life's crazy. I'm in a hospital bed. Economy's upside down. I don't know who's leading, who's not, all of it. I still have this eternal hope. The Holy Spirit just tells me that on the inside. You know what? When you don't have hope, your heart is sick. Bible tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And, and what shame does is that before shame, excuse me, before hope can get into your heart, shame builds a callous hardness around your heart and blocks it. Holy Spirit's job, he's here to convict us. And what a lot of us do, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, believer. We are constantly bombarded with the culture of the world. We're constantly bombarded with the noise uh, of the enemy who kind of rules the airwaves. And and when we start to feel conviction or even guilt, a lot of times what we do is we kind of get defensive. Why are you getting defensive with your maker? We get defensive with the Holy Spirit and we don't allow him to come in. And then what that does is you're actually creating a pathway for shame versus a bridge for freedom. And so, when we get defended, we hear words, oh, we, things happen. It's like, oh, I'm offended by that. I, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to watch this. I don't like the topic that they're talking about in the scriptures. All these different things that we do, it, it's, we're, we're, we're getting defensive over conviction. And when we do that, what we're doing is we're, we're creating a, a tunnel and a lane for shame. Guilt is actually hardwired in every person, believer or not. It's those who do crazy things that they've given up on all guilt and have so much shame, so much brokenness in them that that, that, that that part of them has been totally shut off. But even, I mean, if I do something wrong to you, whether you're a believer or not, and it's like obvious, you're probably gonna be quick, hey, my bad. If I bump, I bump into somebody somewhere, uh, you know, or whatever, I'm gonna go, hey, I'm, I'm sorry for that. It's human courtesy, but, but a, a basic level of guilt is actually human courtesy. Um, for, for instance, there's, there's good anxiety, there's bad anxiety. We'll get into anxiety later, okay? But, but good anxiety is like, hey, I probably should not drive 90 miles an hour around a bend. That's good anxiety, right? Uh, there's bad anxiety that cripples you and keeps you down. You don't want that. Same with guilt. There, there's, there's good, hey, man, I, I kind of said something in a text message. Shouldn't have said that lean into that. There's bad guilt that's crippling that's probably shame. When we confess there's grace and there's freedom, conviction is healthy, Romans 8, 1 through 2. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So we go back to that word advocate. What does advocate mean? It means defender, comforter, counselor. It even has a legal sense. The advocate is fighting your battles. And when you are in Christ, when you invite forgiveness, when you say, Yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, the advocate is, is literally functioning, fighting your battles in the spirit realm. And it's Jesus interceding on your behalf. Say, He's mine. The enemy fights. He lies. He steals. He says, no, no, no. You're, you're that person. You're, you're that identity. You're, you're that sinner. You're, you're that problem. That, that's who you are. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, no, let me fight that. You're now in me. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. That's not who you are. In fact, you got power. Same power that conquered the grave lives in you. I'm going to advocate for you. The enemy wants to put shame on you. The Holy Spirit wants to put power in you. Revelation 12.10, basically, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night. The enemy is accusing you. The Hebrew there in Revelation 12.10 is accuser. He accuses us of our shortcomings and our sin and our past. When you invite forgiveness into your life, the Bible says that God's willing to throw it in as deep as the ocean, as far as the east is to the west. The enemy is the only person who remembers that. Not God. Not God. He, he, he moves on from your sin. Problem is, is you haven't. Condemnation and accusation pushes us inward and it lies to us. It takes us deeper into shame and fear and anxiety and depression and our addictions are often a cover for shame. Satan wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. It's his age old strategy. Why do we keep falling for it? Look at the garden. Adam and Eve, they're naked, no shame. They sin, what happens? They hide from God. People who are ashamed, hide. God's just taking a walk. You think he didn't know? You think he didn't know? But but shame causes us to do things. Sin causes us to do things. It doesn't make sense. You're hiding from the guy, God, who created you. He knows every part of you. He created you for fellowship. He knows where you are. He's just asking, giving you an opportunity to offer your shame. Why do we hold on to it? Bible says that when we confess our sin, Jesus is faithful to forgive our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. A lot of times what we do is we ask for forgiveness, but we don't believe we're forgiven. We, we, we just drift back into muddy waters, into swamp lands that used to be us. If you're free, be free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. So how do we get there? How we respond to the sin problem in our life is how we respond to shame. Think about this. So, before I give you some practicals, here's here's what shamed people do. I wanna give you a couple quick ones. Shamed people, shame people. Dr. Kurt Thompson said that. Shamed people, shame people. Shame on you becomes shame in you and then you put shame on someone else, it gets passed down. So I, I, I wanna I want bring this to the surface because if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves shaming others as a natural response of defensiveness. Shamed people also blame people. Shame people, shame people and they blame people. If you spend your whole life blaming others, you'll never break free from shame. Whether it was a parent or a coach or a pastor or a friend or an ex or whatever it was, what we do a lot of times is we've been shamed, we've been hurt, we've been failed, no doubt about it. But, but unfortunately we then blame them for all the problems in our life. But what does that accomplish? It becomes an identity. It becomes a crutch. It becomes who we are. No doubt horrific things may have happened to you, but all you're doing is hurting yourself when you blame others. Shame people also frame people. What what shame people do is they create false narratives that blame people for things that they didn't do. This is the roots of a lot of where cancel culture comes from. Not all of it can actually be some good to it, but it's the root of where a lot of this comes from because shame people frame people. You're shamed, and so then you put this on somebody else that had nothing to do with it. That's not the kingdom. It's not. What feels good in a moment never frees us, friend. Never does. It might feel good to frame somebody, but it never frees you. You're trying to frame somebody else because what? Misery loves company. Last one is shamed people, name people. It's different than blaming because you're calling names. You're literally calling people names. And this doesn't bring healing. It brings more shame to you. Because what you do is you release toxic behavior and it ends up toxifying your life. Now, it is important to address who did it to you. It is important to get to the root of it. It's important to acknowledge it, but you gotta leave it there. You can't name, oh, that son of a, blah, blah, whatever. Because what you do doing, when you start naming people and putting word curses on people, you're releasing, you are partnering with the enemy and God and the Holy Spirit wants you to partner with them. Power. Don't play games with the spirit realm. Listen to me, don't play games with the spirit realm. When we start naming people, what we're doing is we're partnering and word cursing people regardless of what they've done. We must remember, friends, that Jesus was also blamed. He was framed, he was named, he was everything in between. They called him a drunkard, a glutton, a friend of sinners. Religious elites called him the devil let's not partner with that spirit. Let's partner with those who got the revelation. Let's partner with the Marys who were freed and delivered. Let's partner with the thief on the cross who said, hey, I don't got it together, but would you free me today? Let's partner with the people, the lepers, he set free that came back and said, thank you. Let's partner with those who may have been a mess, but God gave them a message not carry the religious spirit, which in a lot of ways, that's what shame is. It's a pharisaical spirit that can't let go. It's a petty spirit. It's a spirit that can't let go of what's been done. It can't offer it. It's a spirit of pride. But Hebrews 12:1 through 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily tangles us trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Verse two, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Another word for disregarding is despising the shame. What Jesus did is he went away from thinking of it, the thought of it, the same lies of it. When he was on the cross or when he was being crucified, he could have had a lot of thoughts. But instead of thinking of all the stuff and how this shouldn't have been done to him and how this was unfair and he could have been a victim, but he was a victor. Instead of thinking of all that stuff, he thought of us. The cross was awful. It was nasty. It was the greatest platform for public shame. They strip them, and and then as they strip them, they, they literally tear apart their bodies with whips and put them on a hill as they dismember and humiliate them. These are criminals. These are sinners. These people are fake. They are false. Jesus did all of that, took all that shame, so you and I didn't have to. Thank you, Jesus. Don't we serve a mighty God? Come on, somebody. Don't we serve a great Savior? Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a healer. Oh, oh, what a lover of my soul. That's Jesus. Oh, that's Jesus. The Jesus who would walk around and people who were in shame like the woman with the issue of blood. It's just touched his garment healing and freedom, and that is available to you. How do we overcome shame? All right, here's the practical stuff. A lot of us, just like with addiction, we try to shame ourselves to stay on the path, but shame doesn't work. The more I use shame, the more I relapse into problem behavior. So here's what we do. You should write this down. Here's number one. Understand when shame is present. Okay, anger is a secondary emotion. Anger is like leaves, but the roots of the tree is something deeper. Hurt, you're invalidated. Shame, parent problems. Shame, it plays hide and seek, and it shows up in ways we don't realize. It can manifest in defensiveness. It can manifest in humor, depression, addiction, and on and on and on. Some of us, were good at wearing masks. And, and, and the masks can be perfectionism or performance or success or social status or even social media or, or, or somebody who might have shame. Maybe they're obsessed with fitness. And I'm not saying you should totally be cognizant and and, and you should totally focus on your health. But sometimes when it's over the top and it's like it's unhealthy, you can do healthy things in an unhealthy way. Sometimes that could be a root of shame manifesting itself in a different way. You have to understand when shame is present. If you don't do that, you cannot overcome it. Here's the second one. You need to acknowledge that you need help. Right? I mean, this is like AA 101 right here. It's like acknowledge that I need help. Romans 2, 4 says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And sometimes the best kindness we can have is the love of our neighbor who shows us the love of Jesus. Because you can't reason or logic or think your way out of shame. You have to experience your way out of it. And only way to experience that is to be in atmospheres like this, to hear the word of God, to apply the word of God, to experience the love of God, to worship, to seek, to know, to seek to help you, to acknowledge Jesus, I've got the shame. I need your help. You gotta show up. You gotta let people see you and love you. you acceptance helps you overcome shame. You have to accept this is, it is what it is. This is what I got. And then let God do the work. Here's the third one. You gotta get into relationships where you can be vulnerable. It may not be a spouse or friend that's gonna help you walk through this, may not be. Could be someone else, it could be a counselor, a new friend, a spiritual leader, a a group leader. I don't know for you, it could be another pastor for me or a group of pastors. Here's what they do when you begin to act out and not act in the identity of Christ and who you're made to be, here's what spiritual people will do for you. They will say, that's not the real you. You're talking crazy. That's not, that's not the God potential in you. That's not the Holy Spirit in you. You don't have to blame. You're a victor. You're the head and not the tail. You belong at the table. You're anointed for a moment like this. You're a great parent. You got a great future. I know you're 55 and single and still believing, and we're going to pray and believe with you. Friends, gifts are only good if we open them. And great relationships are gifts that some of us look at and see other people have, and they're right in front of us. It's the beauty of the local church. Will you open these gifts? Number four, you gotta know that love and grace covers shame. The only way to be saved is by grace through faith. Peter's a great example of love and grace. Peter writes in 1 Peter 4, 8, love covers a multitude of sins. Well, he knows that because Jesus is like, you are Satan, get behind me. Also, five minutes later, you are, we're gonna stand on you, Mr. Rock. We're gonna build this whole church on you. You're my guy, whoa. Whoa, because you can't have love without truth. And you're not loved if you're not disciplined. God disciplines those he loves, right? And you can't have love without grace. And so God looks at him and you're Satan today, but you're pastor tomorrow. Come on, somebody. And that's the same for you today. There might be things in your life today that are unresolved, but God sees your future. He sees your potential. He sees your purpose. He sees who he's made you to be. There's purpose in your problem and there's freedom in your pain. Love and grace. And I know you feel that love and grace right now. You feel the Holy Spirit right now. Some of you are in tears. You, you feel the Holy Spirit moving in you. you. He wants to set you free right now. The last one is this. Vulnerability in the blood of Jesus destroys the power of sin and shame in our lives. That's why Revelation twelve eleven says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And as I close, I want to... I want to really enumerate that. I want, I want to. I'll tell you a story of a of a girl who's in one of our block groups who, um, really, God's done a great work in her life. And, really kind of newer walking into her relationship with Christ but was finding that she was hitting a lid. It's just uh, man I'm 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 at church and, and I'm I'm involved and I'm connected but like I'm not free. So something's something's there and and as she was being vulnerable and allowing other people to disciple her she started to be honest. I can't forgive myself. When I was a teenager I had an abortion. And I have felt so much shame and regret. And like, I know God says he forgives me and I halfway believe it, but have I forgiven myself? And for years, for years, shame has been her driver, but her vulnerability and the power of God in her leaders, said, we're going to lay hands on you and we're going to believe that your best days are in front of you, that the best is yet to come for your life, that by the blood of Jesus, you are washed, you are clean, you are healed, you are forgiven. We don't have to live in yesterday. You're a new creation. There's a new tomorrow. God is a redeemer. As they prayed and as they believed she said i felt shame i felt this spirit of heaviness begin to lift off of me and my hands began to lift i began to shout and praise and pray and feel like maybe for once i'm worth it god's love is real mercy grace the touch of jesus that's available for you today and I'm not saying she doesn't have struggles where the enemy tries to creep up because he's going to do it for as long as you live. But you remember who you are. You stand on that word. No, God told me I'm supposed to be in the ministry. I know you're saying stuff at me. I know I'm 18 years old and you got words for me. But like, I got a word from God and I got people from God. I, I got a future and a calling and a brand. And so do you. So we reject shame in Jesus name. We say conviction. Come on. Light me up. (laughs) But condemnation and shame, you have no place here. And at every location, stand to your feet. Nobody moving. If you're online, I don't care what you got to do to participate, but join us. Our prayer teams are coming forward. Online, we'll pray with you online. We'll do whatever it takes. We'll drive to your house. Just let us know. We want to lay hands on you today. And if you have a need in your life, particularly in the realm of shame, once I pray and say amen, you come forward at locations or you let us know. We want to pray and believe God with you. So prayer people are coming. I'm going to pray. And then as they sing, you move. Father, right now, by the power of your Spirit, I thank you that you are a redeemer and a healer. And I thank you right now that you are freeing people from shame. I rebuke every attack of the enemy, every lie of the enemy, all spirit of fear and witchcraft that steals from people and meddles with people's mind. I demand you to go. This is a house of miracles. It's a house of freedom. It's a house of life, change, liberty, and justice for people in the realm of the spirit. And right now set people free, God. And as we pray, and as we come to you in faith, God, would you do what only you can do in people's lives, free and free indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories, and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.